the word of the Lord this evening. I want to talk to you about um, a very uh, important topic, um, one that, that often uh, is either uh, misunderstood or is ignored uh, because uh, for fear of, of misunderstanding it or for fear of, of uh, grappling with it, but I think it's important that we that we uh, share the word of the Lord on the subject. And, uh, and I want to talk to you about the truth about predestination. The truth about predestination. Biblical predestination. You know, predestination is a Bible word. It's in the word of the Lord. And so we don't shy from it. We, we embrace it and we say, okay, Lord, teach us what does this word mean. Uh, some people teach and believe the idea that some people are predestined to be saved while others are predestined to be lost. That somehow before the foundation of the world that, that God had decided who would be saved and who would be lost. And that kind of thinking leaves people with a sense of hopelessness. And it's simply not true. And so we want to do away with that thought that, that people might have. And, and when you truly understand the power of the word predestination and the biblical uh, principles of it, it becomes quite a, a, a very emboldening concept and a beautiful concept. And so we, we look into the word of the Lord and I will invite your attention uh, to the book of Romans and we'll begin there at the 8th chapter. The book of Romans and the 8th chapter. Verse 28. And uh, I'm going to read two very, uh, I'll say very well-known verses of Scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And then Romans 8, 31. These both are very well-known verses of Scripture. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Verse 31 says, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Two very well-known verses of Scripture. But they sandwich some lesser-known verses of Scripture, and those are the ones we want to kind of concentrate on tonight. Verse 29 in the context of we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Here's verse 29. For whom he did foreknow. Everybody say foreknow. He also did predestinate. Everybody say predestinate. To be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Everybody say called. And whom he called, them he also justified. Say justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. Everybody say glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? So we, we see here five very powerful words, each conveying a powerful concept. 
The first word being foreknow. The next word being predestinate. The next word being called. The next word being justified. The next word being glorified. I want to say at the outset that there is a very potent force at work in the world. And that potent force is simply the will of man, the will of mankind, the will of humanity. And this will of man, again, is a very potent force. It is, it is one that, that can absolutely determine his own way. Men, women can make up in their mind what it is they want to do and then they can do it. And whether or not it is a good thing to do is, is not the issue. The issue is it's within a person's power to do what they want to do. You know, the, the adage is set your mind to do anything. You can, you can do anything you set your mind to do. And it is true. You can do just about anything you set your mind to do. You know... Uh, Man has proven that he can, can cause amazing things to happen. And the problem with that is that man is in a fallen state. And so he can, he can harness remarkable powers of self and proceed with those powers of self and do amazing things things even on this earth man man can do that now his power is no match for the power of God and the greatest power on earth is the power of a man whose will or a woman whose will is surrendered to God but the man and woman's will is a, a force to be reckoned with and God does not impose his will on a person's will for their life. If a person decides this is the thing I want to do with my destiny, with my life, then they have the right to do that. God does not impose his will upon a person's will and say to them, regardless of what you will to do, I am forcing you to do my will. If God were to do that, he would be a tyrant. God is not a tyrant. If God were to do that, he would be a totalitarian. He's not a totalitarian. He's not a dictator. He's not a, an unrighteous God. He's not a lawbreaker. It is, it is criminal to, to impose one's will upon another's will and force them to do things that are outside of their will. And God is not a criminal. God is not a lawbreaker. God, in fact, has perfect law. And, and this, is, this is the way God operates. And this is, how, this is how God approaches a person. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, he can open the door and I will come in and sup with him and he with me. But God doesn't tear that door down. God, just, God doesn't just go grab some big uh, uh, piece of wood and start banging the door and trying to break into somebody's house. He will knock, and if you hear his voice, you can let him in. But it's up to you whether or not you're going to let the Lord in. It is as simple as that. 
So man's will is very, very powerful. And, and God has to deal with the will of man. God has to woo the will of man in order for, for God's will to be done. God has to, has to present his case to man and, and let man see the case of God whether he will believe it or not. And then man can choose to follow after the things of God. This is why it's so important that you and I live a godly life. Because we are living epistles and we are read and known of all men. And when people look at our life, they are making up in their mind whether or not they believe the Lord. So God does not predestinate before the foundation of the world and foreordain before everything begins. I'm going to let them be saved and them they can be lost. And they can be saved and they can be lost. And uh, yeah, you, no, never mind, not you, but, but you. It's not, that's not how it works. He's not just, just picking and choosing based on some randomness or, or arbitration. God is a righteous God. And he is no respecter of persons. Now, the scripture does say, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion upon whom I will have compassion. Now, what that, what that does not mean is that God is, is uh, again, just kind of picking at some, at some selectiveness that is unrighteous. No, no. It means, look, there are reasons why my mercy come and reasons why I show compassion. There are reasons why I help some. There are reasons why you don't know what they are. I do. Let me be God. You do your job, I'll do my job. You do what you do, and I'll be God. Not me, but him. Amen. And so that is, that is the way God operates. God is sovereign. God is righteous. God is holy. God is tender in his mercy. He has loving kindness. He is gracious. He is slow to anger. There are so many things that we could go on and on about concerning God and his nature uh, but I'll tell you that God did not predestinate who will and who would not be saved before the foundation of the world. And the primary evidence for this is found simply in the Lord telling his disciples and to all of us, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Anybody that will hear you Go into the highways and into the byways and tell the halt and the blind and the lame and just preach it to whosoever will. So many times in the scriptures the Lord said, whosoever will, let him come and drink of the waters of life freely. Not a picking and choosing, but whosoever will. You know, if we had to wager who God would save and who God would not save, we would have all lost our shirt, ladies and gentlemen. Because none of, none of us would have been betted on. You know what I'm saying? People look at us and say, God will never be able to save that. Lord, have mercy. They'll never make it. They'll not, and, and it doesn't have to do with, it doesn't have anything to do with God. God will save whosoever will. It has to do with you and I. Will we be saved? Will we let him save us? Will we let him redeem us? Will we let him deliver us? So it is about the individual. It, God's mercy is for everybody. 
God can reach down into the middle of some ungodly pit in, in, in society right now and speak to somebody, speak to their heart, and he's doing it all the time. You want to know where God is tonight while well, we're sitting in the comfy confines of our Bible study on Wednesday evening sharing the word of the Lord? You want me to tell you where God is? God is talking to some folks on bar stools right now trying to get their attention. You want to know where God is? God is in the prisons right now trying to minister to somebody. Hallelujah. And get their attention. That's where God is. God is constantly speaking, constantly moving, constantly ministering. I'm never, I never cease to be amazed at how powerful it is when a person tells me their testimony. And I hear their testimony and it, and it has to do with them just some chance encounter, if you please. Somebody just passing by and and, and uh, so many different examples I could give. I'm thinking of one of our great pastors whose, whose father came into the truth and he was sitting at a bar and he was overheard criticizing Pentecostals. He was criticizing Pentecostals and an, a guy at the other end of the bar was a backslidden Pentecostal and he said, you better be careful what you say about those Pentecostals. He said, those are people of God. And he went out to the car and got a cassette tape of preaching and handed it to them. And, and the man who had been criticizing Pentecostals put it in his cassette deck in his car and began to play the preaching tape, not out of, oh, I should listen to this, but out of, I wonder what this is all about. And when he started to play it, it was actually my cousin, Brother Jonathan Urshan, who was preaching on the, on the tape that he listened to. Something got a hold of him. Something got a hold of him. And he tracked down the local United Pentecostal Church, went to a revival. Brother Rex Johnson was preaching the revival. He walked in. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. He was baptized in Jesus' name. Two of his sons are our great pastors in the United Pentecostal Church. To this day, I look at something like that and I think that is amazing what God can do. But all that man had to do was take that tape and throw it in the trash on the way out the door. Now, God would have tried another way to reach him. God would have caused him to cross paths again. God never stops reaching. But you see, it's his will. It's this man's will, whether or not he will listen to what God is trying to tell him. So, so God does not, does not predetermine our destiny. People lose hope because they look around. It, it actually, it's actually a thought that is captivated by this mentality of there are some who are elitist and there are some who are just out of luck that's not of God God doesn't favor one person over another based on uh, their lineage based on who they are based on who their parents were God honors all who have a hungry heart you can you say what about Abraham what about Abraham what about the lineage of Abraham you know what Jesus said when he walked this earth he, he took a Roman centurion and stood him up before all of Israel and said, look, this man told me I don't even have to come to his house, but I can just speak the word only. He said, I haven't found such great faith in all of Israel. You know what he told them? He said, he said how many lepers were there in Israel in Elisha's day? But how many were healed? None but Naaman, Assyrian. So God wasn't respecting one lineage over another. He was always, always respecting faith. It was always about who will trust God. 
See, those, those are interesting terms, aren't they? Will and trust. Those are inheritance terms. Will and trust. Those are legal terms. In order for inheritance to come to you, they have to come via a will and a trust. The last will and testament. And not the old one. You need a new one. It's a, this is a legal transaction that is occurring. You have to give up your will and surrender your will to his will. And if you surrender your will to his will, all of the inherited powers of God will flow to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now while we're on the subject, let's if you don't if there's no will or trust established, if that's not established, then the inheritance will go into a system called probate. You don't want that. Probate is, it gets taxed just mercilessly and it ends up going into the government, it ends up going to the state and it's up in man's hands and man gets to decide what you get and what you don't get. You don't want it going into probate. So you want will and you want trust. That's the same way it is with the Lord. If you don't have will and trust, then those blessings of God end up somewhere different than where they need to be. They need to be with you. They need to be in your family. They need to be in your life, in your marriage, in your ministry, in your mind. But if you, if you don't have trust, and if your will isn't surrendered, then they're over in probate. So you go get them out of probate. When you start aligning your will with the will of God, you start trusting God, then, then what happens is the inheritance designed for you comes to you. It comes out of probate and comes to you. Now, if after you have surrendered to the will of God, if after you have trusted God, you go back, and, and, and go back into the former way of doing things, the former way of living, the scripture says there's a time at which God can turn someone over unto a reprobate mind or a reprobate mind. So it actually goes back to where it started. And you don't want that. You want to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. You want to surrender your will to the will of God. How, is it, how important is it that your will be surrendered to the will of God? Well, Jesus himself, in order to do what he was supposed to do, had to surrender his will. Now, I'm going to tell you something. He had an amazing will. His will was to seek and to save that which was lost. His will was to do the work of his father. But when push came to shove and when the rubber met the road, if you please, and it came right down to it, he didn't know exactly. Uh, he wanted this cup to kind of pass from him. You know, is there a way to do this thing without the whole crucifixion? You know, and, 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 and as soon as the words came out of his mouth, he said, nevertheless. What a word. Nevertheless. What if that word was at the forefront of our vocabulary? Nevertheless. I, I tell you what you're saying when you say nevertheless. You're saying always the more. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Nevertheless. Not my will, 
but thy will be done. So yes, it's important that your will be surrendered. God's will can't be accomplished in our life until we surrender our will to the will of the Lord. Amen. So, so what is the will of God? Let's, let's look at the will of God. 2 Peter chapter 3. Let's, let's look at the will of God. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse number 9 says this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to usward, and we ought to thank God every day for that. that ought to, we ought to praise the Lord in the dance every time we read that. He is long-suffering toward us. Hallelujah. Not willing that any should perish. Did you know it is God's will that nobody perish? And yet we understand that there are just, hell hath enlarged herself. People are going headlong into hell. But the will of God is that nobody would perish. That's the Lord's will. You want to know what the Lord's will is? If if God's will were able to be done without constantly conflicting with the will of man at every turn, the will of God is unquestioned. No man should perish. The Lord is not willing That any should perish, but here is the will of God. You ready for what the will of God is? The will of God is this, that all should come to repentance. So if if, if we would just, if the whole world would just surrender our will and genuinely, heartfelt, meaningfully say and mean it and do it, not my will but thy will be done, everybody be saved. Everybody, God could have his perfect will in our lives. He could tell us to do whatever we needed to do, and we would do it, and we would be saved. He would have his perfect way, his perfect will, and and we would be saved. It's not about God's will that we're not saved. It's because our will gets in the way. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So Paul deals with this matter very very uh, uh, up front in Romans chapter 8, and he just describes it. He said, whom he did foreknow. He also called, or he also did predestinate. And what did he predestinate them to do or to be? To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So, so let's understand what that means when it says, for whom he did foreknow. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1, we get a little glimpse. There aren't, there aren't too many glimpses that we get of God dealing with people uh, in the womb uh, before, before they were formed in the womb. You know, there are some prophecies spoken. You know, Josiah had a prophecy spoken over his life. Um, John the Baptist, of course, had a prophecy spoken over his life. Of course, Jesus the Christ was, was uh, sent into the world. And, and so there are some who, who had the Lord's word placed over them and spoken over them. The, the widow of, or the woman rather, of Shunem uh, had a son that was a product of prophecy. There are multiple uh, moments in the scriptures where this happened. Isaac was foretold. And, but, but here we get a glimpse of God 
before formation in the womb occurred. And listen to what happens. Verse 4 of Jeremiah 1, then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, this is Jeremiah talking. Jeremiah is questioning his life. What is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? What is this all about? Why am I here? What am I here for? I don't understand what, what, what's going on. And the Lord says, okay, Jeremiah, I'm going to tell you a little something about you that you don't know. Nobody knows but me because I was there. And this is it. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Don't question whether God has a purpose for your life, Jeremiah. God has a purpose for your life. Now I'm going to tell you something. Jeremiah was ordained to be a prophet unto the nations. Now, maybe not everybody is ordained to necessarily be the prophet unto the nations, but everybody is formed by God and known by God before he forms them in the belly. God is there. And he, they are, listen, you know the image they're being, they're being conformed to and, and born into? The image of his son. The reason that there's all these commonalities that we all have, there are, there are commonalities that every one of us have. And, and, and if you just stop and think about it, it's actually kind of interesting. I mean, we, we all have these commonalities. We are all in this image. What image? The image of Jesus Christ. That's what we're, that's what we're made into the image. And the Bible says male and female, he created them in his image. We reflect the image of God. Every person you meet, every person you run into, every person you encounter has been formed by God and known by God before he formed them. Now, I'm not going to pretend to be God or to pretend to know all the ins and outs of how God does this, but here's what I do know. He giveth unto every man the measure of faith. That's one thing he puts in everybody. You say, well, what about, what about a situation where maybe it wasn't a godly uh, uh, connection and, and, and it wasn't, you know, wedlock or something of that nature? Listen, God may not sanction the way it came about, but when it comes about, God is there. And there's no such thing as an illegitimate child. That child had nothing to do with the circumstances that brought them into this world. God knows them and begins to form them. Regardless of the circumstances surrounding their birth. God knows them. He begins to form them. He know, He ordains them. They have purpose. God has a purpose for their life. And it is our job as the church to preach this gospel to everybody. Every creature, everyone who's been born, everybody who's in this world. And I'll tell you something else. It's also our job to defend the unborn. And God's going to hold us accountable for that. That's innocent blood. That, that's innocent blood that has been shed. And it's been shed for centuries. And the church has to be vocal about our opposition to that. These are defenseless children that are nestled in the womb of their mothers. And we've got to open up our mouths and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to preach the love of God. We have to let these mothers know that there is a loving family of believers. Hallelujah. That's willing to help them through this in Jesus' name. 
because God knows this child before he forms them and then he begins to form them in the belly and ordains them for his purpose. Everybody has a purpose. And, and if people go astray, it's not because God doesn't have a purpose for them. It's because they haven't surrendered their will to him. That's all. That's all. If the, the moment they surrender their will to him, their purpose begins to flourish. The moment, it doesn't matter what they came from. I'm thinking about one of our great evangelists. In the United Pentecostal Church, his mother was going to have him aborted. And she was, she'd gone to the clinic to have him aborted. And uh, while she was there, she had her little girl with her. She was going for a consultation. And her little two-year-old girl, his sister, opened her mouth and began to say things she didn't even understand. The Lord opened her mouth. And she began to say, please, Mom, please, please don't do this. Don't take my baby from me. Don't take my baby from me. Mama, please. She began, she began to cause such a scene that the, the mother became just overwhelmed by it and she picked her up and took her out of the abortion clinic and it so rattled her she never went back she had the baby and and raised the baby at the best that she could it was a difficult set of circumstances he came through a a very rough childhood but God set up a family within the body of Christ to bring him in and to mentor him and to raise him in the fear of the Lord and today he's one of our great evangelists preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the world it's easy for somebody to, to, to look at that and say, God could never bring any glory from that. You're out of your mind. God can do whatever he wants to do. He has a purpose for each and every individual. Amen. Hallelujah. I think about the testimony that brother and sister Duvall shared uh, concerning their precious baby that the Lord blessed them with and, and uh, the fact that this, this mother was, was planning to have an abortion and and she, she was going to do it. And the day that she was going to do it, her uh, boyfriend uh, did not show up to take her to the abortion clinic. And, and she was upset at him and she tried to go the next day. But that day happened to be the last day before the deadline. And she wasn't able to do it past that point. And God spared this precious, beautiful baby, Braylon, who we love so very much, and sent the Duvall family to take her up and bring her into the purpose of God for her life. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, God has a purpose for anybody, everybody, whosoever will. And I'm going to tell you something else. And I'm going to tell you something else. I don't understand everything about it. I'm not, again, I'm not going to pretend to be God. I'm not going to pretend to, to know all the ins and outs of this. But people that are born with certain incapacities, people that are born with certain disabilities, I don't understand it. And I pray that the Lord would heal each and every individual. And sometimes the Lord does. And sometimes the Lord does not. And regardless, we trust in the Lord's wisdom. But I have seen people with severe incapacities use even the incapacity for the glory of God. I've seen people with severe disabilities use even those severe disabilities to the glory of 
of God. I think of Brother Alan Oggs, who was born in the shape of a horseshoe and to the point that the back of his head was touching the heels of his feet. That's how he was born, with severe cerebral palsy. He came into this world, but he surrendered his life to the will of God, and the purpose of God began to flourish in his life. And God never did deliver him completely from all of his incapacities, but he stood up behind pulpits all across this world, even with the slowness of his speech, even with the distortion of his words, even with the weakness of his body, and he declared the glory of God. God has a purpose. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Anything I have going for me or anything I have as a disadvantage even, God formed me in the belly. And before he formed me in the belly, he knew me and he ordained me to his glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when Paul says, them whom he foreknew, he foreknew all of us. He foreknows all of us. He doesn't arrange the circumstances necessarily unless it's in a holy and a godly way, in a godly sense. God's, I'm not, you know, some people commit sin and, and, and bring forth a child. God doesn't sanction that sin, but he's going to watch over that child. He's got a purpose. I said he's got a purpose for that baby and if, and if that baby will surrender their life unto the Lord, that beautiful purpose will come forth in their life. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't matter how long you've been on the wrong path, how deep the, 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 how deep the, the sin has been that you've been involved with. At any moment, you can surrender your life to the will of God. And he will retroactively begin to move over every bad decision you've made. He'll move over every wicked thing you've done and he'll begin to one by one sanctify, 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 sanctify. And he'll use every bit of it for his glory. I've seen it happen. I'm talking about John Red Fuller who was a murderer in prison for executing people. And, and, and how, how's God going to get glory from that? I, I watched it happen. This man who surrendered his life to God, surrendered his life to the will of God, stands up in a pulpit and says, this is where I was. But God, who is rich in mercy, reached way down into my life. I'm going to tell you something. Everybody in that room who had a criminal past, everybody in that room who had made mistakes, they wished that they could go back and change received hope by the word of God by the word of that testimony that God can deliver them and the Lord used John Fuller's life even the bad stuff for his glory now if you don't give it to God it just stays bad stuff but if you give it to God he'll take even the bad stuff and use it for his glory never too late it's never too late it's never too late it's never too late I rebuke it in the name of Jesus every devil telling you it's too late I rebuke it in the name of Jesus it's never too late to give it all to God you say Lord I turn it over to you hallelujah we're going to run through this really quick them, them he foreknew okay so he foreknew us we explain how he foreknows us. He, before he forms us in the belly, he knows us. 
Because I'm going to tell you something. How in the world does that happen? Can somebody tell me how in the world that formation happens in the womb? The book of Ecclesiastes says, you don't, even, you don't know how the bones do grow in the womb. And I thought, he's right. I don't know how the bones grow. Where do, where does bones come, where do bones come from? You can't just go out, chop a tree down in the forest and make a bone. You can't just, you can't just go, you know, empty a KFC bucket and, and fish around and get you some good. That's not how it happens. God is the author of this. God is the originator of this. God is the creator of this. And we don't even know the mysteries of what's happening inside the womb of the woman who reflects the glory of God in a way we can't fully understand. And so, so God reaches down and before he begins the forming, he already knows the person. And he begins to shape and form and ordain this is why it's a trick of the devil to start thinking poorly of yourself. It's a trick of the devil to start picking on yourself. Well, I'm too this, I'm too that. I'm not enough this, I'm not enough that. I wish I was more like them. Wrong. No, no, no. You're beautifully made. You are wonderfully made. Rejoice in the God of your salvation. Hallelujah. Be who he called you to be. Be who he ordained you to be. Don't let Hollywood tell you who you are. Dear God, have mercy. And don't let, don't let the political system tell you who you are. Don't let government tell you who you are. Don't, don't, don't let people tell you that, 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 that you're... They don't, they don't, they don't know... Much of anything anymore. I, I feel like I'm in the twilight zone, ladies and gentlemen. They don't understand even the, the, the distinction between the sexes any longer. And it's, it's, so, it, it, it's so frightening when you consider the confusion that abounds in our world. But God knows. Trust Him. Live according to His Word. Hallelujah. And whom he did foreknow, them he also did predestinate. What did he predestinate? He predestinated them to be conformed to the image of his son. That's what you're predestinated to be. Conformed to the image of his son. That's who I'm predestinated to be. Conformed to the image of his son. What is he saying? He's saying he formed you in the belly. Before he did that, he knew you. And he predestinated you to be like Christ. That's your purpose. That's the will of God for your life, to be like Christ. And what do we do with that? Well, you know what we did with it. We went running down the wrong path with a full head of steam. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. And we just, I mean, with reckless abandon, doing our own thing, thinking our own thoughts, going our own way, getting into every kind of trouble you can imagine. So, he had to call to us. Whom he foreknew, he predestinated. But whom he predestinated, we went the wrong direction. And now he has to call us. Call us from what? Out of darkness. Into this marvelous light. And that's what he's doing. Hallelujah. That's what he's doing. He's doing it right now through this podcast going out. There's somebody listening to this podcast right now who is being called by God out of the darkness of your confusion. Being called by God. 
God out of the out of the confusion of your mind out of the torment of your soul the word of God is reaching for you now calling to you calling to you because he has predestinated you to be something that again that doesn't mean you've been that that, that you have that there is a group of people that are going to be condemned because God said they got to be condemned and there's a group of people that are going to be condemned or saved because God said they can be saved. You can't be saved, but you can be. I've chosen you to be saved and you to be lost. That's not how predestination works. We are all, every single one of us predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. And every single one of us have a will. And every single one of us gets to decide whether or not we actually will follow after the predestination of God. And so we don't follow after the predestination of God. We spend a good many years not following the will of God in our life, not trusting God, not serving God, not living for the Lord. And so he has to send a prophet, has to send a preacher, has to send his spirit has to speak to us in the midnight hour. I mean, God will, God will use anything to get our attention. He'll use anything. He'll, 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 he'll use anything to get our attention. What is he doing? He's calling us to our purpose. And whom he did call, if we'll heed that call, whom he called, them he also justified. Hallelujah. Then he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Oh, hallelujah. So, so, so the scripture says many are called, but few are chosen. So when God calls us, just because he calls us doesn't mean we will heed the call. God has called and called and called and beckoned to so many people. And, and you know what he said to the prophet Isaiah? He said, all day long, all day long I stretch forth my arms to a people who won't hear me, who won't come to me. All day long, I'm telling you, if you could see in the spirit, you would see God with outstretched arms all day long. He's opening his arms to the lost and the dying. He's opening his arms to the to the to those who are bitter and enraged. He's all day long. He's opening his arms to the confused and the and the lonely all day long. He's opening his arms. But just because we're called doesn't mean we will heed the call. But when we heed the call, we're chosen. Many are called, few are chosen. This is, this is the reality. This is what the Bible says. Remember, many and, and few, those two, where everybody say many, and everybody say few. Okay. He said, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many walk therein. Everybody walking on that broad path were called but wouldn't heed the call. He said there's a narrow way that leads to life everlasting. How many go in there? Few there be that find it. The few that find it are those who heeded the call and because they were called and heeded it, they were chosen. God's again, God's not saying, no, I, no, I won't call you. Get away. I don't want you. I don't want you. I don't want you. I don't want you. 
That's not God. That's not how he works. You say, well, what about the Syrophoenician woman? Again, what about the Syrophoenician woman? Well, he said he was come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's right. And what did he end up doing? Answering her prayer. Because he's all about reaching whosoever will. It's a hungry heart that God responds to. It's, a, it's faith that God responds to. It's, it's those who hear the call and say, I, I, I hear your call, I will answer. Lord, speak, speak, Lord. Speak into my life. God never turns that away. Hallelujah. You say, what about Esau? Because Esau sought carefully for a place of repentance and never found it, though he sought carefully with tears. What about Esau? What is repentance? Repentance is turning around. That scripture simply means that Esau knew he should turn around and wouldn't. He saw all the time. He was thinking, I need to be doing this. He would cry about it, but he would never repent. He would never turn around. That's not God. That's Esau. It has to do with our will. We, see, see we want, we're sorry for the things we've done wrong and we wish we could repent, but our will is more important to us than being right with God and that'll make you be lost. You can't receive the inheritance of God unless your will is his will. So whom he did call, them he also justified. You know what justified means? Justified means made innocent. That's, what he, that's all he wants to do. Is that amazing? Somebody ought to write a song about that grace. You know, I call it amazing grace or something. Is that, a, is that amazing? That I can be justified? That all God wants to do is call me and say, all this stuff that you've done wrong, Joel, is, is lined up against you. And one day the devil's going to throw the book at you. See, that's what happens. There's all these infractions, infractions, infractions. And, and it's paperwork, paperwork. And, it's, and it, 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 it files on top of itself until finally it's, a, it's like a book. And they take everything you did and they judge you for it. And that's what they call throwing the book at you. The book they're throwing at you is the stuff you have compiled in the way of doing wrong. And God steps into the picture and says, I want you to come unto me so that I can wash that book with my blood. Everything you've said wrong, done wrong, thought wrong, I want to cleanse you from it. And I want to make you as though you never sinned. I want to cleanse your conscience as though you've never sinned. I want to cleanse your, your, your complex that you have, this inferiority complex that we develop. I want to cleanse it as if, you'd, as if you lived your whole life blameless. I, I'm sorry, that's just amazing grace. It's why I keep praising him and keep worshiping him. And I love to sing his praises because he's so good to me. He justifies, though. He doesn't just call us. He calls us, and then he justifies us. Hallelujah. And whom he justifies, in Romans 8 and 30, them he also glorified. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Hallelujah. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, 
at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Hallelujah. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. Thank God. And when this corruptible hath put on incorruption and when this mortal hath put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who hath given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Be... Be ye therefore steadfast, brethren, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. My Lord, have mercy. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to have a new body. I, I don't know what that's going to look like or what that's going to be like, but it's not going to have any of these restrictions. I got all kinds of restrictions. I'm all kind of restricted. You watch me play basketball and you'll know right away, oh yeah, he's got a lot of limitations going on. But in that glorified body, hallelujah. See, that's where God is all, that's what he predestinated me to be, to be conformed to the image of his son. So when I, so when he, when he formed me in the belly, he did it with purpose. He foreknew me and he formed me and he ordained me for his glory and he predestinated me to be conformed to his image. Then I went my own little way. As soon, right out of the gate, I start going my own little way. Then he calls me. I hear it. I come to him, and he justifies me, and he's going to glorify me. What do we say to these things then? I'll tell you what we say. If God be for us, who can be against us? Let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you what Romans 8.28 says. Let me remind you of what Romans 8.28 says. And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. That is the promise of God to the individual who is surrendered to the will of God in their life. It's not for everybody. It's for the person surrendered to the will of God in their life. The person that loves God and are the called according to his purpose. You heard his call and you say, okay, God, let your purpose happen in my life. And the steps of a good man become ordered of the Lord. See, some folks like to come along and say, well, that means that God's already decided everything that's going to happen and, and, uh, and you don't even have a say in it. So why even preach the gospel? Because he's going to save who he wants to save and he's going to condemn who he wants to condemn. That's false doctrine. That's false teaching. God, is, God will save anybody who comes to him with a hungry heart and says, Lord, save me. Have your way in my life. God will begin to work his miracle of salvation in their life. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me tell you what happens when we don't surrender to the purpose of God in our life. And I'm coming to a close. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 11 says this. I returned and saw under the sun. Under the sun. Remember? This is under the sun. This is going on in time, not in eternity, in time. That the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, 
nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. Here it is. But time and chance happeneth to them all. When you are not surrendered to the purpose of God in your life, you instead become surrendered and subject to time and chance. But when you surrender to the will of God in your life and walk with God and say, God, have your way and complete your purpose in my life, time and chance don't have authority over you. God's perfect will has authority over you. So chance can't exact things in my life that are contrary to the will of God because I'm, I'm committed to the purpose of God. Anything that then happens to my life dynamically is of the perfect will of God and I'm surrendered to it and I'm at peace with it. When I'm not following after him, I become a subject to time and to chance. But when I am serving the Lord, I'm not a subject to time and chance. Instead, this is what I can say. All things work together for my good. All things work together for my good. Hallelujah. Oh, bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. Could we love him right now? Could we love him all across this building? Could we just love him in the name of the Lord? Thank you, precious Jesus. Thank you, precious Jesus. Thank you, precious Jesus. Thank you, precious Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, let's love him. Let's love him. Hallelujah. And let me, let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you something. I had somebody say something to me not long ago. They said, you know what? I don't understand because this person and that person did me much evil. And they said, and I, I, have, I have struggled and suffered. And I've looked over at them. Everything they touch turns to gold. They're prospering. They got money they don't know what to do with. It's like, it's like they literally, everything is working out perfectly for them. And I'm over here thinking, well, God, what in the world? What am I supposed to think of that? And the Bible routinely says, do not envy the wicked. They're going to get rich. Don't envy it. They're going to get wealthy. Don't envy it. Let me explain something to you about the riches of this world. Number one, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. So these riches of the world, they're not all they're cracked up to be. And there's a reason why some people get a hold of the riches of this world, and when they get it, sometimes those riches aren't even enough to keep them from being suicidal. Because it's, it's a, it's a, it, comes with a, it comes with a string attached so heavy, a burden to bear. But, but listen... The temptation that Jesus was tempted of by the devil in the wilderness. Where the devil said to him, I will give you all the kingdoms of this world. And Jesus said, no. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'll not bow down and worship. He said, all you got to do is bow down and worship me. And I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. When people engage in sin without conscience and it becomes their life their lifestyle they have bowed down they've worshipped the enemy and they are receiving the kingdoms of this world and they're going to have tons of money now not everybody but I'm not saying everybody who has money you know I'm not, that's not what I'm saying I'm simply saying when you look at the wicked prospering and you don't understand why 
It is because they have come into league with the prince of the power of the air, the God of this world. Don't be deceived by it. You stay focused on walking with God, serving God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I want his purpose to be done in my life. I want the predestination of God to be fulfilled in my life. It's my choice whether his predestination is fulfilled. Lord, have your way. Have your way. Could we stand to our feet right now and lift up our hands to heaven? Lord, I don't want to be blinded by riches. I don't want to be blinded by fame. I don't want to be blinded by anything that the enemy would throw in my path. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. Let's praise Him right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Come on, let the purpose of God begin to well up inside of your soul. I'm here on purpose. I have a reason to be here. God has sent me here. God, hallelujah. God has a purpose for my life. I'm to preach his gospel. I'm to show his gospel. Glory to God. I am to showcase the gospel of Christ. I'm a living epistle, read and known of all men. The blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. Oh, bless his name. 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 Glory to His name. Glory to His name. Glory to His name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. I will go. You have called me. Thank you, Jesus. And I will 